Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the CHGO Fire Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. And on this episode of the CHGO Fire Podcast, it is a double dose of Alex C's. And I'm joined by a familiar face, not only to listeners and watchers of this podcast, but to really anybody in the Chicago soccer universe. Alex Calabrese calling in from Syracuse, New York. Alex, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, happy to be back on the show once again, even if it's if I'm not in Chicago. Uh, glad I could still be here. Yeah, we're definitely going to try to get Alex in studio again sometime later this summer, but he's got a couple weeks of classes and finals to worry about first, so priorities. Um, before we get into the games, we want to talk about some fire headlines because it's actually been a, a pretty newsy week, some of which is soccer-related on the field, some of which is not. And before we get to the games later, Alex, we have to start with that somehow the fires injury list has gotten worse. Gaston Jimenez and Carlos Tehran both subbing out of the most recent game injured. Jimenez has been surprisingly excellent, I think, the last few games, and Tehran has looked every bit, I think, of the player the fire hoped he would become by about this age. It just it feels like the fire cannot catch a break here. As soon as something looks to be good, it's it's snatched away from them. It's just crazy. I mean, like you mentioned Tehran, like his game against Philly, that seemed like that was the best I'd ever seen Carlos Tehran. He's finally looking amazing. Jimenez, maybe when you remove the DP tag and you lower the expectations a little bit, he's suddenly looking like a much better value player. But I just can't have nice things, I guess. Just can't have nice things. Yeah, the Jimenez and Tehran combo, excuse me, the Jimenez and Herbers combo in midfield, I thought was going to be a defensive disaster. But somehow, I think, you know, and this is credit to both of those players being more veteran guys, they have very much sacrificed what might be normally in their own interests, both of them liking to push forward. And they've actually combined pretty well to provide some protection for that back four and between the two of them have a really solid passing range. And now, I mean, we saw Javi Casas come into this game late. I don't know what happens for the fire next weekend in Atlanta. We'll hear from Ezra Hendrickson in his weekly press conference tomorrow. Hopefully there's good news either for those guys or for Miguel Navarro or Jairo Torres, who are both working their way back. U.S. Open Cup. The fire will play their first U.S. Open Cup game 
of 2023 next Wednesday at SeatGeek Stadium. Famously, last year, they lost to third division side Union Omaha. This year, they will be playing amateur side Chicago House, who defeated forward Madison in extra time last week. A crazy game that I had the privilege of being at in person. Alex, just what are we to make of this? Because on the one hand, this should be a very easy opponent for the fire to defeat. But on the other, there's got to still be some fan PTSD from how much of a disaster last year was. I think you really need at least a bit of a run in the Open Cup this year, especially after last year, St. Louis, the time before that, Cincinnati a few years ago when they were in USL. You really need a good run in the Open Cup for, for once. Yeah, you're looking at an amateur team. You still have to take them seriously. They've beaten a pro team. So like they, they can they can make stuff happen. But if you look at the game last year and those players who played in that game, even if you were to put out a lot of those same players who weren't quite ready yet, they're better now. They're much better than they were a year ago as well. So even if you do play like a heavily rotated team, those reserves are a lot better than they were 12 months ago when the fire lost to Omaha. Yeah, and I'd say that the the fears, if it if you were playing another League One team like Union Omaha in forward Madison, I think you would probably see a little bit more discussion of, ooh, is it okay to play the kids? Where in this case, I mean, if you look at just rotation, if you the uh, the back four for Chicago Fire two over the weekend was Jonathan Dean, Kendall Burks, Wyatt Amsberg, and Aceves. My guess is that's going to be the starting back four in that U.S. Open Cup match against Chicago House, and that's maybe why those four are playing together now. But yeah, you'll see the likes of Javi Katsas, maybe Georgios Kutsias, who we'll talk about later, can get his first fire start in a game like that. I'm with you. I think that fans shouldn't be too worried, but it should be a fun thing. The fact that Chicago House got through that game in Madison is incredibly impressive in its own right. And so, yeah, it should be a fun time for Chicago soccer fans to enjoy a rare Chicago Derby. Uh, The... The final headline I wanted to get to is that the U-20 World Cup is coming up relatively soon. We know now for sure that Argentina will be the new host replacing Indonesia. Ironically, Argentina failed to qualify for this tournament, but they found their way in anyway. Any fire players who go look like they'd miss six league games. So it's kind of a two-part question. And Alex, you were very much one of the uh, foremost authorities on youth national team matters in the U.S. soccer world. Should Chris Brady and Brian Gutierrez be called in, do you think? And if they are called in, should the fire let them both go? So they will both be called in. There's no doubt. Um, Chris Brady is competing with Gaga Slonina for the number one spot. Brian Gutierrez is probably a starter. He's just good enough that you put him in like one of four positions and he'll start for that team. Like He makes it, he makes the team significantly better. So if I'm Mikey Varas, the head coach of the U20s, I'm pushing a lot harder for Guti because he makes the team a lot better. If you don't have Brady, at least you have Gagas Lonina, right? So if I had to make a prediction based on the wishes of the players, what they've expressed, and what the team needs, I have a feeling it's going to be Guti who goes because Guti has said he really wants to go and he'd be really disappointed if he didn't get to go. Whereas Brady... He's not guaranteed to start. He might only play one game, though I think he could earn the starting job. There's a very good chance he doesn't play. Do you want to lose your starting goalkeeper for up to six games if he's not going to play? I don't think that's worth it. So I think Guti will go. Brady will stay. 
I agree. That seems like the most likely outcome. I know when I interviewed Chris earlier this spring, he wants to be there. I mean, he was the starting goalkeeper in that U-20 tournament. He won the Golden Glove of that U-20 tournament. I would argue it's probably the best soccer, even though it's at a youth level. It's probably the best soccer we've ever seen Chris Brady play was that stretch of three or four games in CONCACAF U-20 World Cup qualifying. And yeah, it's an interesting opportunity for him and Gaga to potentially be in a camp together for really the first time because the fire, of course, had that policy where U.S. soccer for senior or youth level was only allowed to take one of them at a time when they were both fire players. But yeah, Brian Gutierrez is in just phenomenal, phenomenal form. That U-20 roster is a little odd in that they don't really have a striker. They just kind of play three or four attackers of various descriptions. So Quinn Sullivan of Philadelphia, Paxton Aronson, formerly of Philadelphia, now of Freiburg in Germany, both likely in that mix as well. And then it's yeah, it's it's just kind of a mishmash. We could see Guti dropped deeper. Uh, the, the U-20s play what I would basically call a 4-3-3 with a false nine. And so you could see Guti being the most advanced midfielder. Definitely something to watch for. Uh, they'll find out their group this coming week. A roster probably coming out the first week of May. It looks like at this point that tournament begins May 20th again in Argentina. So in a minute, we will get to these Fire's most recent two games. They didn't lose two games at home. They got four points, but some some old ghosts, shall we say, Alex, feel like they are coming back to haunt the Fire once again. But first, it's NBA playoff time, and that means big hoops action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the presenting sponsor of CHGO Fire. So get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button as new customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open up the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place the same game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. I was looking at some of the lines for tonight, particularly the Suns-Clippers game, as Phoenix looks to bounce back from their game one loss. And if you combine Suns to win with Russell Westbrook to make just 1-3, the odds on that are minus 135. And if you add Chris Paul just to get one steal. That's plus money at plus 105. It feels like there's a lot of good options on the table, not only for that game, but for every NBA playoff game with all the markets on DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit the gambling helpline at ma.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas, 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. All right, let's get to the games. Fire 2, Minnesota 1. Um, Kai Kamara, Alex, when he was signed by the Fire, was not expected to be the starting striker and be playing 70 minutes a game. Uh, that still might be a temporary arrangement, but what has impressed you most about the 38-year-old at his 10th MLS club and what he's been doing for the Fire, this game being the best example of it so far? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I just didn't expect that he would still be scoring this many goals. Like, when he came in, I thought... This is a guy, They're gonna. he's going to be the third striker. They're going to sign a DP. 
and he's going to kind of just be there awkwardly for a season and score two goals. Like he did for Minnesota, he was there for a year, he scored one goal, right? I thought that was what was going to happen with the fire, and that is not what has happened. Like he not only has he actually made the team better on the field by scoring three goals, including a game winner and two goals against Minnesota, like – the, everyone loves him around the team. Like he has been great for the locker room. Like every everyone loves him. I've heard nothing but good things, and like, I, like people are people were saying when he first came in, it's like, oh, there's a reason he's played for twelve teams in his career. Like it's only a matter of time before things go sour. Maybe, but like right now, I don't see any of that. Like right now, he's been nothing but a nothing but positive for this team. Yeah, and that's kind of the story of Kai's career. Obviously, you mentioned that Minnesota season didn't go great, but he generally does two things when he shows up to a team. He's going to score some goals, and he's going to make instant friends with basically everybody in the locker room. And, you know, people talk about all the teams he's played for. It's kind of because Kai has spent his entire career on that margin of too good for MLS, but not quite a top five European league player. So he does really, really good in MLS, gets a shot at some random European team that goes okay, comes back to MLS. But again, he's just been such a benefit. He's friends with Ezra Hendrickson, as gets mentioned all the time from back in their playing days. So that's been awesome to see. He seems to take a real interest in forming bonds with younger players, We've seen him and Brian Gutierrez, you know, I mentioned this last episode, they've had some fun interactions in fire social content. So yeah, it, it's been, it's been really encouraging. And, and I think what's impressed me the most is just, God, that guy's fitness at age 38. I'm not going to be anywhere near able to run anything like that at 38. I can't run like that now. So it's, it's really impressive to watch, to watch what he's doing. First goal in this game, um, Thank God for VAR because this was called offside and it was just a brutally bad offside call on Chris Mueller, who was onside by a solid, I think, like two yards. And Kamara ends up scoring on the end of it. And this is just a classic goal that people like Kai Kamara get that most people don't. He hits this with his left foot. He doesn't hit it that well. It nutmegs like three people and somehow goes in. And those are the kind of goals that when you're in the form he's in, those are the kind of goals you just get. When the ball's just kind of bouncing around the box like that, if you just get a shot off, it's going to go in more likely than not. And he put he's just so experienced as what he's been doing his whole career. He gets into the right position, and it doesn't matter how you do it, just get it in the net. And it was it was a well-taken well taken move from him to turn on the defender and then shoot. So credit to him for that. And then seemingly moments later, it's 2-0. Great ball in from Arno Suke. And this is a header, Alex, that I think... That second goal, that's a header you only score if you've done it and practiced it literally thousands of times. And that's the experience you get with a guy like Kamara. He doesn't even think about it. He flicks that header into the corner. And I can't remember the last time a fire striker scored a goal like that. Obviously, Casper Shabilko scored a very impressive goal a few weeks ago. John Duran scored some fun goals last year. But in terms of just a purely instinctual header like that, it's it's been a while since the fire have had a center forward with this skill set. That is just such a difficult like heading heading is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Doing that is like pretty much impossible. So again, all credit to him. Like he's been doing it for twenty years, but like that is such a hard thing to do. So that was crazy. I, I loved that goal. And it was a great ball from Suke, who had a really rough start in Chicago, and I think he's gotten a little better in the last couple of games. Yeah, a little bit better. Uh, we'll talk about a not so great moment in the Philly game, but no, this, this his offensive contribution certainly looking better. He's 
providing a lot of great crosses from that right side. And when you've got a target forward like Kamara, that's exactly what you want to see. So it's it's 2-0 at halftime. And Alex, Fire fans should be feeling good at 2-0 at halftime up at home. But but we, we're we not. They're not. It, just, it feels like there's just, and this obviously came more true in the second game we're going to get to, but it is so bizarre that you can go into halftime 2-0, dominating play, and not feel good about where you're at. I've seen for the last year and a half this same team so many times that two goal lead means nothing. It doesn't. It just doesn't mean anything. Like you just have to wait. Like you can't feel good about it ever. Because the moment you feel good about it, suddenly it's two two or three three or whatever it is. Like. Or the moment you feel good about it, the 19-year-old goalkeeper lets a very easy shot go right through his hands. 57th minute. This is Chris's. It is, it is his second total howler of the season. Probably, there's probably been three total that you'd say he should not have let in at all. We saw this a bit with Gaga last year. He had a period around the time where he was making his international future decision where clearly his head was not fully there. But I think Fire fans knew that patience with Chris Brady would be required. But man, the... The Miami, the two against, the one against Philly, I should say, earlier in the season that just skipped by him, and then this one, which was a carbon copy of a howler we saw Gaga have last year. Whew, these are these are hard to watch, even if you knew they were coming. It's rough. I mean, believe it or not, like it seemed like Minnesota were having a good start to the second half, and I was midway through my sentence. I couldn't even finish the sentence. I was saying, huh, I feel like I've seen this before. Suddenly the ball's in the net. It just slipped through Chris Brady's fingers. Um, it's what you expect when you have a goalkeeper that young. Like nineteen-year-old goalkeepers just aren't a thing anywhere in the world. Like, yeah, there's a the reason fire, what the, what the fire are doing and that they've done it twice is weird. Like, this hasn't happened just anywhere ever. But like, he's been pretty much perfect through the season. Like, yes, he's had those two really big mistakes. Like the one against Philly cost the team two points. Those are really the only two points you can say he's cost the team. I think he's been like pretty much just about as good as you would have expected from him and exceeding the exceeding the accomplishments of literally any 19 year old goalkeeper in the history of mls because gaga left when he was 18 so he's literally the best 19 year old goalkeeper in the history of mls because the, he's the only one so right so you know so it's 2-1 then in the 72nd minute uh kai kamara should really make it a hat trick it's his easiest chance all night and, and it's it's this is how the sport goes you score Two improbable goals, and then the one that should be a tap and doesn't go in. A great feed by Guti to set that up. In the end, Chris Brady makes a double save with a couple minutes to go. I guess that kind of counts as redemption. The first one was just kind of palming across away. The second one's a really good save, and the fire hold on. They win 2-1. They don't blow the two-goal lead, and I think there was definitely a feeling of progress after this game which was then eliminated almost immediately because this next week, Fire 2, Philadelphia Union 2. Um, yeah, this is just the most deja vu game of all time, except that it wasn't against a team from Ohio, which is who the Fire seem to usually do this against. Um, but before it gets bad, Alex, um, the Fire named an unchanged lineup for this game. I think it's the first time all season Ezra Hendrickson has made zero changes. And going into this game, despite the injury problems the fire had had, 
there was a feeling of comfort with this lineup, particularly with the good work that front four grouping of Haley Selassie, Gutierrez, Mueller, and Kamara have been doing. Yeah, I mean, the one, I guess, complaint is like, I don't, I'm, I'm still not convinced by Herbers. I know he was better in this game, but I just don't really think he's going to be a starter. I don't, like, I, I just don't feel comfortable with him starting. But other than that, like, if you if you win a game and you play really well in the first half, you run out the same lineup, and and it was going really well. It was going well. It was going well, and it started well with a guy who I think has deserved a goal. I think he's played his last two games. I think maybe even three games have all been really strong performances, and that's Marin Halley Selassie, who almost totally screws up a tap in. Like he's wide open, three inches from goal, and he scuffs his first attempt luckily he doesn't panic he taps it in the net nice feed by navarro really bad defense from philly though like uncharacteristically so um jack elliott just lets this ball roll across the six yard box no chance for andre blake but alex what have you made of marin halley selassie the first couple games i was thinking yeah this guy looks like a guy who didn't make much of an impact at all in switzerland and these last couple it's looking like he might be able to be an, an important part of a consistent and a consistent performer for this fire team. I mean, he's definitely been better than I expected, especially after the first couple games. I mean, uh, I think it was the Cincinnati game where he got his first start. He just had that confidence. And I think he, when he has that confidence, he's much more willing to take on defenders, put in more ambitious crosses and he can do that. And it only, they'd only started happening when he got that first start. So I think, with confidence he's looked really good and like i know he messed up the first touch but still really happy for him to get on the score sheet absolutely um nothing else happened in that first half fire held a one nil lead it was 25 incredibly boring minutes of soccer philly are in a weird spot right now they're in between champions league games they uh defeated atlas of mexico in the quarterfinals of the Concacaf champions league and will now face lafc in the semifinals of that competition so they are managing minutes a bit with you know wanting to give that a good go and then right at the start of the second half like 30 seconds into it we get one of the weirder own goals i think you're ever going to see uh jakob glashness just clears a ball into the back of his teammate nathan harriel loops over andre blake and suddenly the fire basically for the second game in a row have a 2-0 lead at halftime these are the sort of lucky breaks the fire do not get so it was oddly refreshing to see something like this happen in the fire's favor rather than against them yeah i mean you can't control that like i mean it was some good pressure i guess from guti from the other guys up there good press to make them panic a little bit but you can't control that you take it you go in they come out second half i think that, that i think the uncle might have been right at the beginning of the second half but that span the first 15 minutes of the second half yeah, they didn't get another goal, but that fire was just like that's the best that's the best fifteen minute spell I've seen from the Chicago Fire under Ezra Hendrickson. Like they, they were cooking, they were looking confident, they were looking like a real playoff team. They just they just couldn't get that third goal and that would come back to bite them. Yeah, I was going to say in the 55th to 60th minute in particular, there's three or four great looks. Uh, Holly Selassie gets the best of them, and it just goes just wide. I, you kind of have to shout out Andre Blake for cutting down the angle. He's maybe the best goalkeeper in MLS for a reason. So you've got half an hour to go. It's 2-0, and then 61st minute. Um, Miguel Navarro makes just one of the dumbest challenges you're ever going to see. It's uh, the attacker 
has the ball going away from goal with Rafa Shihos all over them. And then for some reason, Navarro just decides to like karate kick the guy in the stomach. Uh, Daniel Gosdog scores the penalty. It is 2-1. Um, it's been a bit of a rotating, you know, kind of a revolving door at left back this season for the fire. Um, that was kind of the thing that's been the most inconsistent. And Miguel Navarro shows why here, because you just can't really trust him not to do something dumb like this. And Ezra Hendrickson basically said as much after the game, he called it a stupid challenge. It's not often you hear a coach use words like that and just say that something a player did was stupid. Um, but yeah, there's really no other way to look at this. And then Gazdog clinical from the PK, the PK spot, excuse me. Yeah, for Miguel Angel Navarro, it's just so frustrating because he was having such a good first half as well. Like he had the assist on the first goal. He was actually looking really effective. And like he's been, he's been better recently than he was in the past. But then he makes that stupid mistake and his confidence is shook in the second half. And it's just it's it's frustrating because a lot of these players when they're confident they look a lot better than when they're not and when you concede two silly goals and Carlos Tehran comes out with an injury and he's been your best player in the game so far that's really tough to come back from yeah not a whole lot of soccer happens between the two goals because the Carlos Tehran injury occurs between the two goals um and suddenly it's 2-2 um Arno Suke gets caught way up field and then doesn't make much of an effort to get back. This leaves Kendall Burks isolated with Quinn Sullivan wide on the defensive right. Sullivan burns him. Uh, Navarro totally loses Gosdog at the back post. So it's an easy header back across. Julian Carranza taps it in. It's 2-2. And it's amazing. You talk about confidence. The Ezra Hendrickson fire seemed to just far too often have these five-minute stretches where they completely lose the plot. And you can debate whether it's players, you can debate whether it's coaching, but the extent to which this is a pattern, it, it, there's plenty of blame to go around, but you do have to wonder how this just keeps happening with this team, seemingly regardless of who's out on the field. I mean, it's all mental. I don't know how to fix it. Like, I, I, don't, have, I don't have an answer. I wish, I wish someone had an answer. I wish I could give you an answer right now. Like, I, I would think that when they survived blowing a 2-0 lead against Minnesota, that would give them the confidence that they can actually defend a 2-0 lead. But, like, I, I don't know what, what the answer is. I thought that the Minnesota game, where they honestly should have tied, if we're, if we're being real, they probably should have tied 2-2. The fact that they survived that, I thought that would give them what they needed to not let it happen again. But somehow it's happened again. Yeah, we saw it early in the season. I'm trying to remember who it was. A team missed just a wide-open tap-in header. NYCFC missed just an absolutely wide-open tap-in header with like two minutes to go. That would have won them the game. And yeah, the fire, sometimes they're punished, and Philly punishes them here. Sometimes they're not. It's almost 3-2. Jose Martinez, who is most notable for uh, being involved in every single scrap ever in a Philadelphia Union game, which he would be later in this one. Uh, hits the post with a rocket. And then Jorgos Kutsias, after coming on, does the same. I think he was offside. I don't think this goal would have stood. But he dinks a nice ball from Shakiri over Andre Blake. It goes off the bar. Um, what have you made of Jorgos Kutsias? Because he looks clearly very talented. But do you, do you just stick 
with Kai Kamara, and then Kutsius comes on when he gets tired. I mentioned earlier, I think the U.S. Open Cup game could be a fun chance to start Kutsius and maybe let him build some confidence by scoring a couple of goals. What's kind of your assessment on the Greek Youth International and his limited minutes so far? I really liked him so far. Again, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, he really just has half a season of pro experience for a mid-table team in the Greek League, so it's really hard to know what to make of that. But he, he looked good in the first two games so far. I mean, he played a bit on the right wing in the Minnesota game and then played up top at the end and was good up top. I, I think the real loser is Kasper Shabilko. I'm yes. sure we'll discuss that in the future. But, like, I, I really like Kutsias. I think he will be the starter within a few weeks from now. I would say give him his first start in the Open Cup so he can get a, hopefully get a goal, get some confidence up so he can come to MLS. But – I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be long for Kutsias is the starter and Kai Kamara is coming off the bench. Yeah, that does seem to be the eventual plan. Yeah, Shabilko, it's it's such a no win situation. We've talked about it on this show before. You do kind of feel for the guy because he's a really nice guy. He got the back surgery in the off season and he's clearly in a better spot both physically and mentally this season than he was last year. But now, if you're looking at the Fire's roster the obvious place to probably add that third DP is probably a winger now rather than a striker, given the complexion of the roster, unless Shabilko leaves. And then maybe you can add a nine. Kutius has shown he's versatile. He's also like 19 years old, so he's willing to run forever, which is why he's a decent option out wide. Um, the fire, Alex, also gets Shakiri back in the second half of this game. He's been out for a while. Gutierrez has looked excellent in place of him, but with that Kutius chance and several other times, you see that, Jordan Shakiri is still the best passer on this team, and he's still going to hit balls that no one else is willing to try and that no one else can pull off. It seems to be the most quest, the most obvious question in Chicago Fireland these days. What do you do with Jordan Shakiri? Because, you know, maybe that U20 World Cup is going to be convenient to remove the discussion for a while. But until then, I mean, do you try Shakiri on the right? Do you move Guti out of the middle? What do, what do you think? I mean, this might be another question without an answer, but everybody's going to ask the question anyway. I mean, it's really tricky because when you compare Guti's stats at the 10 versus his stats on the wing, he is so, he's so, so much better in the middle mm -hmm. than he is on the wing that if you want to get the best of him, you have to put him in the middle. Um, and Shakiri, like he can play on the wing. He played there literally in the World Cup in November and December. So you know he can do it. But then on the flip side... The fire defend in a 4-4-2, and the 10 stays up with the 9. And Shakiri is not going to be on the right mid of a 4-4-2 on defense. Yeah, I've, I talked about this on an earlier episode. If you're going to play them both and you start Shakiri wide, the, the place you have to get to is either, I guess in the current, with the team that's been playing, either Fabian Herbers goes wide right and Guti drops into the middle alongside the other center mid, or you've got to get Guti wide right and Shakiri up top, which to me feels like, while it's the ideal place to end up, creates that moment where there's going to be a space to exploit as Shakiri and Guti kind of switch spots. So yeah, it's it's imperfect. I do think that Fire have to try it though. I, I think, you know, if you can try it for 45 minutes and if it clearly is awful, then okay, let's, let's try something else. But you you, simply, you can't just say, oh, we're going to have to keep one of those two guys on the bench when they clearly look like they should both be on the field. Yeah, I think when everyone's healthy, because Federico Navarro and Jairo Torres are supposed to come back this week. They trained last week. They didn't play, but they're supposed to be back next week for Sunday's game. Um, 
So Ezra has made it sound like Federico Navarro and Jairo Torres are the two starters in the midfield when they're both healthy. In the last press conference after the game, he said there are starters when they're healthy. So what you could maybe do is when you have the when you have Shakiri on the right, Jairo Torres in the double pivot floats out to the right, and then Guti drops into the middle, and Shakiri stays up kind of wide right behind the striker. But it just it's it's so complicated. It's it's a little it's a little frustrating that you have the second highest paid player in the league, your your most your most talented player in terms of what he's accomplished in his career, and he's the same spot on the field as your best young player who could be a ten million dollar player in two years. Like that's just such a frustrating situation to be in. You, you could say it's a failure of squad construction, which uh, I think there would be several people who might say that the Fire have not exactly built this squad well. So the Fire, seven games played, one less than a lot of MLS teams because they weirdly had their bye week in week one. Uh, they're in eighth place right now. A reminder that now nine teams make the MLS Cup playoffs because, sure, let's have like 60% of the league make the playoffs. Uh, Christian A in the chat asks, could this team make the playoffs? And... Alex, I think the answer is yes, because both in the Western and Eastern conferences, there's going to be some not very good soccer teams who make the playoffs. And so there's no reason the fire could either by playing well or by just kind of stumbling around, find themselves in eighth or ninth at the end of the year and sneak in. Yeah, my answer is yes, they can make the playoffs. I honestly think that they have a very good chance of doing it. And yeah, also because there's a couple of Eastern conference teams. They've been better than I expected, to be quite honest. Like, I think I predicted 13th out of 15 at the start of the season, and that was on the high end for most people. Like, most people had 15th. They've been better than I expected, so full credit to Ezra Hendrickson and the players for that. But um, there's there's still a long way to go until we can actually get to the point of talking about them as a playoff team because we've seen bright starts before. I mean, they were five games unbeaten to start last season, so... We'll just have to wait and see, but it's very possible that this team makes the playoffs. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the East, you have Montreal just propping up the league. They're, they're starting the Chinonso 04. Those are for context. Chinonso 04 could not get anywhere near the field for the fire. He is now starting for the Montreal Impact. Um, that co- CF Montreal trade is one of the worst trades I've ever seen in MLS history. 1.3 million plus like a top three <laughs> center back in the league for like an average starter in midfield and a bench winger. Yeah, that my that Miami Montreal trade. I you know I'm shocked. Hernan Losada got another MLS job this fast after how much of a disaster that DC team was. Also, aren't very good. Um, so yeah, the, the wooden spoon race looks like it might already be over in MLS this season. But we'll talk more in a minute about how to evaluate the fire so far using some questions that some of you guys sent us in on Twitter. But first, a word from another one of our sponsors, Game Time. Um, you know, game time helped me out a couple weeks ago. I was able to get tickets to White Sox opening day. The morning of that game waited for prices to drop a little bit to get a great deal. I know a lot of people are probably trying to use game time right now to maybe score some concert tickets. Maybe, you know, Taylor Swift tickets, for example, are a really hot commodity as people try to wait to the day of to get the best deal. But, you know, I think you got to look through the game time app all the time. If you're a Chicago sports fan, we're pulling up the fire page right now. 
Uh, it's funny that it says that Ford Madison is playing Chicago Fire next week. Game time, apparently. Did not get the message that there was an upset there, but you can check out the U.S. Open Cup game at SeatGeek Stadium. Probably get a great deal on that, as well as Fire Games upcoming. The weather is beautiful outside. Speaking of SeatGeek Stadium, you can get a great deal to Red Stars games as well. There's baseball all the time. Game time makes it easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You also get to see the view from your seat which is always really, really helpful. So you don't have to plan way in advance. You can get the best prices and the best deals, maybe even the day of your event. So snag those tickets without stress on game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. So download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. It's also that time of the show where we do the DraftKings pick of the week. And Alex, we often look like to look across the pond for this. And we get the America Premier League Derby this weekend as Fulham take on Leeds United. Um, neither team's in great form, uh, but Fulham did beat Everton to snap a four-game losing streak this past weekend. And Leeds were absolutely run over by Liverpool. They lost 6-1. to one. Uh, So looking at odds on DraftKings Sportsbook, a classic lead scenario, Alex, seems to be that both teams score and leads lose. Um, yeah. If that happens, you can get that at plus 320 is the same game parlay on DraftKings Sportsbook. That is both teams to score plus Fulham to win at plus 320. Uh, Alex, what are your predictions for this game? Because it, it seems like if the Liverpool game showed anything, the lack of U.S. men's national team captain Tyler Adams due to injury for the rest of the season makes that team completely incapable of stopping literally any counterattack. So in Leeds' last six games, both teams have scored in all of the last six games. So I think this is a really good bet um, because without Adams in the last four games since the international break, that is 16 goals conceded. Uh, and they've scored like seven, but still. <laughs> um, yeah, I and it was... We'll take this one. Yeah, Weston McKenney has been very good. He was not good against Liverpool, but again, that's only partially his fault because his midfield Parker, Mark Roca doesn't run. Uh, and so that's kind Mark of, Roca kind of, a, yeah, Mark kind Roca of a problem. And then Brendan Aronson has been looking better, but again, the being slightly better in the attacking end does not help the fact that that team is an absolute sieve at the back. If you're an American premier league fan, time to root for whoever's playing Everton and whoever's playing Leicester, because we cannot trust Leeds United to help themselves. All right. So when I announced yesterday on Twitter that Alex would be joining me today, put out a mailbag request for a couple of questions from the audience. That's my Twitter handle. If you're watching at the bottom of the screen, if you're not following me, you can do that as well. You should follow other Alex here on Twitter as well. Got a lot of great content on there, especially about, as I mentioned, us youth national stuff, which is going to become very relevant this year with U20 and U17 World Cups upcoming. So the first question we've got here from Twitter is from Shy, who asks, how would we rate the season so far? Disappointing or about as expected? This is going to the point you just made, Alex. I think, I don't think I'm disappointed about this season so far, but I, I kind of feel ambivalent about this season so far. If you told me at the start of the season that this is where the fire would be right now, I would probably take it. But when you look at how the games have played out, I would be disappointed that they're not higher up because this team has dropped, what, five points from winning positions? 
It's, it's so, got to be near or most in the league. They've played seven games. That's just yeah, not a sustainable rate. Like they've blown three two-goal leads. So for me, if you look at the individual games, in hindsight, I'm more disappointed than I would have been at the start of the season if you told me that the Fire would have two wins, three draws, and one loss at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, the only team with fewer losses than the Fire is LAFC, who have zero losses this season. Yeah. So that that's it's you know that's good. But on the same token, we also got a question from Tim. Can we, you know, he points to Tehran and Shehos their partnership in the striker situation as why he is glass half full right now rather than glass half empty about this team. And it, it doesn't really feel like that's the balance we're on, Alex. It feels like the fire are near being able to be exciting and promising, but also always precipitously close to just falling apart whenever they get a lead or whenever they, you know, there's a crack in the armor, it always just seems to fall apart. So it, it doesn't really feel like we are right on that balance right now. We've seen enough over the last 13 years to know that even when things are looking up and there are reasons to be optimistic, you have to, you have to be, you have to be careful because it could all fall apart like it has in these individual games. And it has happened over the last 13 seasons. And then finally, this isn't something we've really talked about on the show this year, so I thought it was worth just briefly addressing. Uh, from Lucas on Twitter, how concerning is it that the Fire don't have a front of jersey sponsor? Is this a big deal? Um, I, I think this is a yes and a no question because it is a, is it a big deal financially? No, these deals don't net a lot for MLS teams. You can see around the league, you get occasionally some really random front of jersey sponsors because it's not that expensive to get your name on the front of a shirt i think it is concerning though because it simply to me alex indicates that no one was interested yeah they were put in a really difficult spot by motorola pulling out a couple weeks before the season started to be like this jersey over right behind me which i bought like it, it's clearly meant for a sponsor and they haven't worn this at all since the second game but it's just weird to look at without a sponsor. So I, for one, hope they get one and they're working on it. But um, it is a little it is a little odd that it's been seven something weeks since Motorola pulled out and they haven't been able to get them together. So we'll see what happens. It does happen everywhere. Somehow Nottingham Forest in the Premier League did not have a front of shirt sponsor for the first half of the season, which is worth a ton of money. And I mean, that team doesn't seem to know what they're doing with money anyway, but now they've got the UN human rights campaign on the front, which is amazing, but that's a that's a charitable situation. That's a, a nice thing to do. It's not making them any money. So yeah, I, I don't think it's a big financial deal. I think you've really, man, you've really got to get it right next year though, because last season it was Motorola. Are they, are they going to, aren't they going to? The team had their team photo shoot without sponsors on the jerseys. And that deal was done like two days before the season started. And then this year, Motorola pull out of it last minute. Like, you've got to get yourself in a better situation, particularly ahead of the return of the red kits next year. A lot of people are going to buy those. A yeah, lot, that's going to be a seller. People are going to buy those. So it's going to be worth a lot. And I do like the away jersey this year. The space in the middle is awkward, but would like a circular sponsor under a circular logo look even weirder? Because it doesn't yeah. look like there's space there for like. The, what they've done with Motorola in the past where the whole word Motorola is written out, I don't think there's space for that 
in the middle of that shirt. So I don't know what the plan was, but it's a cool jersey. It'll still be good to have around next year as the secondary to a mostly, if not all red shirt. And I'm sure this discussion will come up again whenever that shirt is unveiled. And hopefully when that happens, there will be a sponsor on it. So we are coming to the end of this episode of the CHGO Fire podcast. A reminder of the upcoming schedule for the fire. They are in Atlanta this week on Saturday, taking on Atlanta United. Maybe we're going to see a battle of the Greek strikers there. Yakamakis has looked excellent in his early appearances for Atlanta United. Next Wednesday, the fire take on Chicago House at SeatGeek Stadium in the U.S. Open Cup, a game I will sadly not be able to attend in person because I think that would be a really fun weekday night out. If you are a Chicago soccer fan, go ahead out to Bridgeview and check that out. Fire our next home in MLS Saturday the 29th. That is a week from the Saturday when they will take on the New York Red Bulls. Alex, how are you feeling about this weekend against Atlanta? Atlanta feels like a team in form. I believe they're also going to be getting Tiago Almada back after a week or two out with injury. It feels like this is a little bit more of a test for the Fire's defensive solidity in first halves, at least, than they've faced in a while. I believe the game is Sunday. Um, at, it's, it's also an earlier game because I think it's nationally televised. You're this right. It's one of the two Sunday games. You are correct. This is going to be the most difficult game of the season for the Fire so far. To go to Atlanta, I believe they'll have Almada. That's the best player in MLS. Yep. This is going to be a really difficult, really, really difficult game for the Fire. It'll be a big, big test. You really got to hope Tedon is back. You really got to hope Federico Navarro is back because this is a daunting prospect. And that five-game unbeaten streak, they're going to have to work really, really hard on Sunday to keep that streak alive, in my opinion. Atlanta will be starting their backup goalkeeper, Quentin Westberg, as Chicago native uh, Brad Guzan has sustained another serious injury, which really stinks for a guy who's had such a storied career in MLS. And, you know, you get to his age, I believe he's 30. He's about Kai Kamara's age now, I think. And at that point, you know, it's, yeah. it's one of those things where uh, an injury like this, it's, it's really hard to recover from any sort of knee injury at that age, even as a goalkeeper. So we wish Brad all the best, but an interesting one this Sunday Next Wednesday, the Open Cup should be fun. Without a doubt, on the next episode of CHGO Fire, we will have a lot to talk about. So thank you to Alex Calabrese for our calling in from upstate New York. You could follow him on Twitter at amcalabrese12 if you are not already doing so, although I imagine that of those of you listening to this, 95% of you are probably already following Alex on Twitter. So good job with that. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Best of luck with finals, and we'll hope to see you back on the podcast sometime in person this summer yeah thanks for having me and everyone make sure you're also following men red 97 because that's where all of my written stuff is going to be this season so be sure to follow them on twitter as well yeah shout out to them men in red 97 crew for really continuing to fill you know gaps that are out there in local soccer coverage great to see some younger guys like yourself as well taking that opportunity so thank you everybody so much for watching for listening to this episode of the chgo fire podcast i'm alex campbell and i'll see you right back here in two weeks after three more games for the chicago fire 